Hey, welcome to another episode of WCM Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks, here with our regular host, Kara Brogan from the Canadian Camping and RV Council, Mr. Ben Quiggle, the esteemed editor of the most popular campground magazine for campground owners that exist at woodallcm.com if ever existed. Uh, so we're lucky to have you here. We've got a, really, a bunch of really cool guests here. Uh, this week to talk about best hiring practices. And so I think we're going to go around and let everybody just kind of briefly introduce yourself, tell us uh, you know, a little bit about yourself and, and why you're here and why you think you contribute to the discussion. And then uh, we'll, get it, we'll get going from there. But before, I, I always forget to do this too, Ben. I always have to say, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, uh, please leave us a comment. We'd love to get you involved and engage in the show. If you're watching on the Woodalls Facebook page, the Canadian Camping and RV Council Facebook page, Insider Perks, several places. If you comment, it'll show up here. And then remember, too, that we are now a podcast and we're on YouTube Live. Uh, so you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, a bunch of places like that. So uh, just didn't want to forget that. But go ahead, guys. Uh, introduce yourselves. And, and no, ladies. no, and it's pretty, it's pretty exciting being distributed as a podcast. Now you guys can just hear my voice and you don't actually have to see my face, which is like kind of the best of both worlds. So uh, I've been told I have a voice that puts people to sleep. So, I mean, you can really just play the podcast while you're trying to go to sleep. So um, that works for everyone. Did your wife really tell you that? Or are you just making that up? No, actually it was, uh, who? It was somebody from, uh, no, it was when we were at the Canadian conference. And we were doing that uh, thing. You guys told me that my voice was monotone, and I put people to sleep. So somebody, somebody did. I don't know if Kara or Brian. Somebody did. Anyways, but anyways, I'm really excited about today's topic because you know we have a lot of hiring issues in the industry, and it's great to have the guests we have here. So let's let them introduce themselves. I guess. Uh, We'll just start with Steve, I guess. Just kind of introduce yourself and what you do. And just, I'm sorry, just a note here before Steve goes. If you guys can put your names in, they'll show up like Mark, Ben, Kara, and Brian all do. If you put your names in and hit save, I don't know why they're not showing up for some of you. But go ahead, Steve, please. Uh, Yeah, I tried to put my name in. Uh, No luck. Uh, Steve Stafford, um, general manager here at North Texas Jellystone Camp Resort here in Burleson, Texas, which is, we're just south of Fort Worth. And, uh, so I've been here uh, GM for 11 years now. Welcome. So what, uh, just, uh, and I'm, thank you for introducing yourself, but what do you feel like you're going to bring to the conversation for our viewers today, Steve? Uh, I'm going to focus on internet, hiring international students or day one um, students. I think it's what I was asked to okay. present today and my thoughts on that. Um, so yeah, happy to do it. Yeah, plus, I mean, Steve ha- hires a ton of people down there. I don't know if he's with North Texas Jellystone. I don't know if for those of you who are familiar with the park, you realize that's a huge park um, who which probably hires tons of people every summer. Um, it's a water park and a campground, and they're adding more. So um, I imagine you have some comments on that end, too. So We have, in the summer, we'll have about 400 employees. Yeah, so... <laughs> He's got to hire a lot of people. So, <laughs> so, so I guess Mark, just kind of introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, my wife and I own Woodstock uh, Campground in Woodstock, Ontario, uh, Will Lake Campground. Uh, we bought it about four years ago. 
Um, it's an award-winning park over the last few years. Um, we're a small park, so only about 100 sites, including year-round residents, uh, small amount of seasonal, and a bunch overnight. Um, but I guess where my background comes from is um, I'm previously, before this life, my corporate life was as a director of human resources, worked for both uh, Lowe's Canada, I've worked for Walmart, uh, I've worked for Home Depot, worked for Indigo and chapters in Canada. Um, so uh, yeah, I've done a lot of hiring, whether it's me uh, personally uh, doing hiring or the teams I had, um, but as an HR director, uh, yeah, it was, uh, we did a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I guess, uh, Luis, just kind of give us your background a little bit and what you do. Okay. My name is Louise Becquet and my I are You're breaking up a little bit, Luis. Is it just me Thank or is me. it for real? Yeah. You what? You're just breaking up a little bit. You're the fading volume? in and out. It was just me. Yeah. I think it's your, maybe your internet is just a little bit off. Yeah. While she, while she works on it. The Kara, internet is okay here. Sorry. I just said, while she works on it, do you know enough to tell us who Luis is and that she can fill in the details? Well, I don't, I don't know offhand the name of Luis's park, but um, I, I really felt like she would fit well in this conversation just because she's involved with the uh, orchestration of a Canadian uh, work campers Facebook group that um, facilitates okay. connecting with campground operators and managers and stuff uh specifically with work campers which i think is i know when i was running a park was a big factor in my kind of hiring strategy every year and and kind of figuring out where my team was going to come from um which you know i think this conversation is timely for i was typically getting ready for the summer and and building my team right around this time each each year so um yeah i'm excited to dive in her so the name of her park is uh, Paradise Valley Campground. Thank you, Ben. And her Facebook group is the Canadian Work Campers Group. Yes. So um, it, which is pretty neat. Um, uh, I know we have a number of work camper groups here in the U.S. Um, that do a lot for work campers. So it's going to be kind of cool to touch on that area as well, because I know we have a lot of questions from um, park owners about how to use work campers, how to hire them. Um, you know, there's, it's not quite the same as hiring a, a regular employee when you're dealing with a work camper. So. Yeah. Go ahead, Kara. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I feel like we've got some internet leg stuff happening. Um, yeah. It's just, there's a lot of factors involved with hiring a work camper that you have to kind of take into consideration with compensation and things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I mean, I think what yeah. I'd like to do, if it's okay with you guys, is just start stage. By I'm still breaking out. Uh, You're a little bit better, but yeah, we just have some lag here. I think that's all. The um, first one in Canada. I think what we'd like to do is, is or what is maybe a good idea, since we've got a uh, Kara, who's a former park owner, we've got Mark, who's currently one, Steve, who is a general manager, Luis, who is one. Uh, just kind of go around and tell us some of the challenges that you faced first with hiring or did face, Kara, in your case, and then maybe we can kind of come up with practical solutions 
to those issues, give some advice, and then they can obviously take some comments from people as well. Terry, you want to start? Or? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I think um, for me, the biggest hurdle in terms of hiring and getting the team educated was um, the seasonality of our business. So, you know, we build a great team for the summer, and then in the fall, everybody kind of was laid off and went and did their own thing. And then we're kind of restarting each year. And lots of times I had some returning staff, but it was always this big hurdle for me to um, loop over and, and overcome uh, getting my team orchestrated in time for opening day April 1st. Does anybody hear the rattling behind somebody's audio? Is that just me? No, I'm hearing it too. Yeah, I hear it too. Is somebody um, typing or I don't know? I don't think anybody's typing. So <laughs> I just making sure I wasn't crazy. So go ahead. There's a little packer thing behind us. I don't know. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, though, Steve, please tell us some of the challenges that you face as a general manager with 400 plus employees. They have to be significant, I would imagine. Did we lose Steve? Is he frozen? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think in the beginning was getting the word out that we were hiring, and um, so oh, there he's back. first okay. we were uh, attending uh, going to high schools. Uh, we were going to high schools and setting up booths, uh, working with guidance counselors. As time went on, we did work, uh, and so uh, friends uh, were sharing with other friends. Hey, what are your plans for the summer? I'm working at Jellystone. I'm working at the water park, whatever it may be. And so now we don't have to go out to the community and do those. But we, um, so at the beginning it was tough. I think, you know, if, if your retention rate is pretty good uh, with your employees, uh, uh, is, a, is a huge help um, for, bring, uh, especially if you have good ones. We try to tell our, and we want to, do you have any friends just like you? <laughs> and can you bring them uh, uh, for, for, to work at the park? So that was probably at the beginning that was tough. Uh, how do you do that? You know, the newspaper ad, again, depending on the type of hiring you're looking for. For us, it was mainly college uh, students uh, because they're mainly seasonal. I mean, we're open year round, but uh, so uh, the beginning was tough. We would visit the, the schools, um, you know. I say we, that meant somebody else besides me. <laughs> so, you, so, so Steve, you guys are open year-round, correct? Or um, yeah. do you guys hire more staff during the summer months and then you kind of lessen the staff during the winter months, or how does that work? Yeah, ben, you know, that's, that's a good question. You know, most of our like I said, college or high school students. So they're going back to school. So it's just a natural release, if you would. Um, you know, so they, they leave on their own. Um, and we hire them on their contract saying that it's seasonal. And we'll pick up some teachers um, as well that want part-time work during the summer. Um, and then, you know, holidays, Christmas vacations, Thanksgiving, uh, spring break, uh, some of these students. Uh, that are on break will come back and work uh, for us at that time. So, um, 
but you know we do hire the adult population um, as well. But um, usually, again, word of mouth right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, Mark, what's your what's the challenges you face at your park? I guess. Yeah, I guess uh, our first challenge when we opened the park was, or when we bought the park, I mean, the park's got an 80 year history, um, but it had been kind of run down and a lot of people had thought it had gone out of business. So I, our first challenge was, well, first of all, learning how to run a campground and figuring out if we needed to. Um, then it was about uh, sort of becoming known in the community, like letting folks know that, hey, Willow Lake is, we're back and we're, we're in business to be a fun place uh, to camp. Um, and then from there, once we kind of got into the community, it was also about reaching out and saying, uh, you know, and we're looking for staff. Um, we're being a small park, we have a limited number of staff. So for us, it was so important to find the right individuals because often if, you know, if, if I'm off fixing a tap and Melanie's off doing some electrical work, this person's representing our park. Mm -hmm. um, so finding that one perfect person uh, or two was, was so important. Um, so once we kind of got our name out, uh, that was, that helped. Um, but we also worked with um, our seasonals and our, our residents as well to say, uh, you know, similarly, you know, hey, do you know somebody? Uh, have you got somebody that you'd be uh, able to recommend? Um, and then, and then sort of going through that delicate balance of, you know, interviewing friends of friends mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the, the decision, do you hire them uh, or do you not? And if you don't, you know, there's there's a bit of a ripple effect there. But, um, yeah, it was just as much about getting our park known as a place that's an employer uh, anymore. So. Right. How about like you, Mark? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead, Kira. I was just going to ask Ben, or, or sorry, Mark, how, how big is your team? How many staff do you have? Uh, last year, we only went, we only had one individual. So it was myself, uh, Melanie, and then the one seasonal employee, um, you know, kind of with COVID, we weren't sure that we'd even need anybody, mm -hmm. but we were fortunate to have been successful in a, a, one of the Canadian federal grants for the summer jobs programs. So we had the funding there. So we figured, well, let's bring the person on board anyways. And it ended up being a great year. So it was important to have that person. So, uh, so this year we're sort of deciding, you know, is it, is it one more? Is it a couple more? But mm -hmm. yeah, generally speaking, it's not a big team. Right. Yeah. I liked what Kara had mentioned about the seasonality of the business. And I know like down in the Southern part of the U S that, you know, it's not quite a seasonal, I think, you know, with the parks being open, they can offer more full-time um, jobs year round, but um, you know, up in the Northern section, that seasonality definitely plays into it. And I imagine up in Canada, um, it's just difficult to keep employees when you're talking only so many months out of the year, then they have to go find something else to do. I have heard of like places trying to do different things to engage their um, workers during the winter months. I guess, have you guys heard anything like that where they're doing like, they try to do different things at the park to try to keep their workers busy throughout the year? Um, I, I mean, we did some, some things. We, I was able to keep, you know, one or two on through the winter because we were offering RV storage and things like that. But um, 
the our actually our operating permit the county that we operated in limited how much RV storage we could take and things like that. It just wasn't a ton of uh, workload that you know that we could that I couldn't handle while since I was there anyway. Um, so it was really just kind of one person to spell me off or whatever. But um, the biggest thing was like incoming reservations and and admin stuff and catching up on stuff that really only. I could do, <laughs> or maybe that's wrong. Maybe it was stuff I only thought only thought I could do. <laughs> um, I did it to myself. You'll but, that too, so. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, but I like I said, I was able to keep one or two uh, through the winter, which did certainly help because then by the spring, I I had a couple of you know somebody on my team who I could really trust and rely on to help me get everybody trained and ready to go in time for, you know, opening day. Um, and, and then typically, I mean, we saw, you know, my full team wasn't assembled usually until June, which timed out good with, you know, when we were the busiest, but uh, for sure we, we were spending a ton of time. The last two weeks of March were typically training time even for staff who like would get laid off in the fall and then come back in this in the spring, they you know they've been off for six months or whatever. We do a training refresher with those guys too, so that stuff was a, a big undertaking. The training part itself. Yeah, definitely. I know, I know down here in the U.S. too, we have a lot of competition. Um, you know, we hear I hear from campground owners all the time about how they just, you know, they have job openings, but they can't get anybody to fill them because um, of the job market. And I think COVID kind of uh, did some different things, too, as far as people um, wanting to work and, and things like that. So I guess um, I guess how do one of the things I wanted to talk about was how do, you know, these park owners entice people to come work with them, I guess. Um I guess, Mark, you have experience in HR, I guess. What, you know, what types of things do people, do you, you know, do you think park owner, what types of things do you think park owners could do to kind of entice people to take a second look at, at working at their parks, I guess? I think, I think it's important to be, you know, an active part of the, your community, because if you're viewed as a, a contributor to your community and whether it's partnering with uh, nonprofit organizations or doing fundraisers or barbecues or whatever, those things you do throughout the year are important in creating that relationship with the people in your area who are your potential employees. Um, I think the brand and how you market yourself is so important um, because because like everybody says, there's a lot of competition out there. And whether you work at Willow Lake or you work at a Starbucks, I mean, people have a lot of options. But if they know of Willow Lake as a fun place, a great place for families, a place that does events, you know, all that kind of stuff, those are the things that are above and beyond that I think can uh, excite people. Because, I mean, yeah, we're a small town of 40,000, but, you know, they could go work at McDonald's and Ontario minimum wage is around 15 bucks an hour right now. So, you know, it's not about the wage because you can't really get much more competitive in that arena. Yeah. So, you know, letting folks know that, hey, you know, we're an outdoor employer, you know, you're going to get uh, uh, so many responsibilities that at many times you're going to look like you're the owner of the park because you're you're going around delivering firewood and shaking hands and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think it's that reputation in the brand you build is so, so important um, because 
there becomes a point when you don't even have to go look for folks. You know, they're knocking on your door. They're on your Facebook page saying, hey, are you hiring this summer? Um, and it just saves you a lot of work. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, guess, I guess, Steve, what do you do at your park to kind of um, to kind of attract people? Obviously, you're a huge employer in the area. Um, yeah, unfortunately for us, too, we're right on the main highway, uh, freeway. Um, so those things, you know, using your social media channels is definitely a, is also a, great, a good way to do that. Now hiring, um, you know, those signs out front, we have a big LED sign on the highway that we have now hiring uh, as well. And uh, so, yeah, word of mouth, uh, retention of, of past staff. We've had some that started off um, early years of high school, maybe freshmen are now in college, been with us four, six years. Um, and so, um, yeah, just, just all of those uh, avenues or platforms, uh, anything you can use out there. And I think it's good to, you know, not just hiring, but hiring smiling faces, hiring smiling, energetic, positive people, you know, uh, you know, those type of things too, to, to kind of get it going. And there's, we tend to probably over hire at the beginning, knowing that we'll probably release some, uh, you know, as the season starts, um, um, because either, it wasn't what they thought it was. Um, it wasn't the Baywatch, you know, feel <laughs> of uh, lifeguarding. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they, they saw the movies or something. So um, that's just part of the process. You know, we we try to take an attitude. You know, we've heard in, um, and I come from an education background. Uh, we've heard of uh, teaching hospitals, for example. Yeah. Uh, why not? So we try to look at ourselves as a teaching uh, park, right? So some of these are their first time having a job and they don't come knowing how to count back money or knowing how to interact with a, a guest unless they catch them, right? Uh, so there has to be some pre some training and education that comes along with that. You just don't hand them a weed eater and tell them, go, go to it. Um, so we realize that coaching is very important before you mm -hmm. put them behind a cash register, making ice cream, being a lifeguard or any of those things too. Um, so that, that training is important. Uh, to, I can't that, imagine the, the, like I said, yeah. most likely they have not learned it at home. Absolutely. I can't imagine the monumental, like uh, building a team that big. I know for me, I was typically had about a dozen, 12 to 15 staff each season. And that kind of gave me the, the ability to be pretty choosy. Like I, I, I usually I had, am I supposed to be, I, sorry, is the, is my audio? Uh, so I used to, you know, uh, get 25 or 30 applicants to fill those. 12 or 15 positions so I could be quite choosy about you know like Steve said picking those smiling faces and picking certain personalities and things like that and I 
it, the idea of hiring 400 people blows my mind. I can't fathom filling that quota. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to imagine on some end, you're almost have hiring ads up all the time for 400 plus employees. But yeah. um, well, it depends on what the turnover rate is too, right? I yeah. Mean, Sounds like yeah. a good training program in place and stuff like that. I mean, I'll wait into one of the bigger controversial topics that I'm sure we can touch on here in a little bit, at least in my opinion. That's like you have to pay your staff well and give them benefits if you want to attract the right staff. Uh, there's a lot of, not a lot of park mm -hmm. owners, I don't think this is widespread, but I know some park owners who insist on nine, ten bucks an hour, and that's all I'm going to pay somebody. Now, it depends on the job, obviously, that they're doing, right? Uh, what you want to pay them, but. If you want quality, you've got to pay for quality is the way I run my business. So uh, things like benefits help attract, you know, Mark is thinking about how do I attract the workers and stuff like that, be involved in my community, but also be, be known as that employer who takes care of your employees too. Uh, there are lots of ways that you can save on margin in other areas of your business. Personally, for me running my business, employees are the one I don't want to save on because I want to have the best. Right. There's, there's impacts there with seasonality and stuff too it's, it's it can be really difficult to offer seasonal employees a benefits package um you know there's there's not a ton of options out there and from benefits providers that can function in that type of of short-term uh, benefits window so you have to kind of get creative with stuff you know we would do we did Stuff that kind of into I mean maybe the dynamic is a bit different our minimum wage is over $15 an hour here um, so I think that's that's different I mean, I'm sorry but I can't hear anybody talking yikes I don't I apologize Steve yeah I don't know what yeah I don't know what would be causing that um, got to be his his speakers have got to be off that's all or maybe they're just not selected right i'm sorry steve i wish i could yeah help. I mean, <laughs> we can apologize till the cats come home you can't hear them. i don't know do i need to try to go in and out yeah check your phone yeah try to go in and out steve uh, you can try that so but let's uh did we talk to luis about yeah so i was actually going to just ask so luis how many how many people are on your team luis how many staff do you hire in a season I'm hoping you can hear me well this time. Much better. Uh, we uh, are ground and, and oh, good. And um, we only hire five couples. Sites uh, usually mostly people that retire, and mm -hmm. on top of the benefit of the being paid, they get stay, you know, electricity, water, and sewer. Right. Um, what we're looking for is uh, people that have a, a life behind them and get some, you know, the, the quality that we're looking for, uh, that they hands on, you know, kind of blue collar people that can know how to get a hammer or clean a toilet already in the past. Yeah. A different side of people because we don't stay here all year round it's just people that come in and out like we get two two days three days people that come in Germany um, we get a different I would 
I entailed in a lot of our campground. I'm just going to um, move to another room. See we're I looking for, for in all different social media. Oh, we lose the reason again. Frozen again, yeah. Shoot, it's one of those Mondays this week. I think, I think it's I think it's just interesting because you mentioned Brian the quality of uh, you know, the benefit packages and everything. And I think you know, on the work camper side, I wish Luis could talk a little bit more about this. But on the work camper side, I think we're starting to see um, more demands for that. I know. Um, work campers are expecting, I think, a little bit more in return for their work. I use, I use them quite a bit. I usually typically had one or two uh, members of my team each year who who were technically a work camper who kind of lived on site and, you know, in their RV or whatever. And, and part of their compensation package included, uh, you know, the, the use of that site and their power, water, and sewer. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. It was a way to, like Brian suggested, offer kind of a benefit in addition to their their earnings um, that really, you know, it increases their availability to you, right? And I typically found with my, my work campers especially, even if they aren't on shift, like if they see something, because they're in the park all the time, if they saw something or whatever, they just were kind of always good champions for for the business because they were so... Yeah. so present all the time uh which was great and and typically those were the ones that i saw return each year so you know a lot of my staff would turn over after the fall and go do other things for the winter maybe not come back but our work campers would typically go down south head to arizona enjoy the winter <laughs> come back all tanned and and uh one gentleman i think he did 22 straight seasons like that so wow for long before i was i was owner there he had already every winter would he and his wife went to arizona they would come back in the spring and he used to always joke with me because he'd get back all tanned but about 20 pounds heavier than when he left and he'd come in and pat his belly and be like it's time to get back to work now <laughs> um and he he literally just mowed grass and did incredible landscaping work he wasn't interested in the customer service side, but the man kept the place spotless and beautiful. He was incredibly valuable to me. Um, and the dynamic just worked really, really well. And he was happy to come do that because he got his exercise in and lost his, took his 20 pounds off and got to be outside all summer. And didn't have, it didn't cost him a cent. And I paid him, paid him an hourly wage. Like he was happy and enjoyed his, the dynamic was really great. I mean, that, that frankly, that campground probably wouldn't have existed without that, <laughs> frankly. So, yeah, but that speaks to, right, that he can work camp anywhere, he can get that exercise anywhere, but he came mm -hmm. back to your park for 22 years, yeah. even before you owned it, because of probably the way that you treated him and how you paid him and how you valued him. So, yeah, I think, you know, our family prior to me being there was, I mean, they were very close. He um, had his wife and my, my grandmother had a very, very close relationship and stayed friends till both of them passed away. Um, and I think that goes back to what Mark was saying about this community stuff. I think it's, yeah. it becomes, especially in that work camper dynamic, it's almost like this family relationship. Yeah. 
you know, we used to all have potluck dinners on Sunday nights together and, and all those things. I mean, it just, uh, it, it builds more than just, you know, a bunch of people going to work every day. Well, we've got a yeah, question. And I, uh, Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Let me have a question about work campers when you're done. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and, uh, the work camping community is just extremely tight knit, like what Kara said. And, you know, what's interesting about these Facebook groups is they really talk to each other about each location. They ask about, you know, well, has anybody worked at this campground or, or that campground? So I think it's important for park owners to, to realize that and to understand that, you know, if they're using work campers to make, you know, to, um, to just understand that they do communicate with each other and I don't know, you, you know, try to make it the best work environment possible. I think that can help attract more work campers when you need them down the road. So. Yeah. So, that, there's something to be said for word of mouth with them for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> like I feel like there's a larger conversation we can have in a few minutes on the, on the benefit side of it, right? How to attract people and how to retain them. And you, you can, mm -hmm. yeah. I do want to get to this one question about working here, but just since we were talking about it real quick, um, TJ Johnson says a uh, great topic is a very small campground. We don't have any staff. We have looked at work campers, but wonder about liability. Are there work campers that are, I guess, own their own business? So he's asking basically, I think, do we treat them as contractors or employees? My instinct is that they're contractors, but obviously I'm not a campground owner. So in, in, in my personal experience, I, I did both ways, you know, that I, I did have, uh, some, uh, handful of couples over the years who kind of invoice every two weeks or whatever for their for their time based on a predetermined hiring agreement and, and pay agreement um and then some who were happy to kind of be on payroll and uh and, and things like that i mean obviously my my business was in a position we were processing payroll and all of those things i know some of our really small campground owners are are not um you know doing that so but I think, especially in groups like Louise's Facebook group, uh, you could, as a campground operator, you could say, I'm specifically looking for someone on a contractual basis. These are the parameters I really need. Um, and, and that would be a great way to facilitate the, you know, your desired uh, connection. Mark, I think, Mark, this may be different depending on what side of the border you're on. So maybe I'll jump in and ask the question or answer the question too, based on my knowledge. But how does the difference between contractor and employee work up there in Canada from just an HR background perspective? Well, it depends. It depends which province you're in. Um, and I think it's, it, first of all, I mean, whether it's province or state, you got to look at your local regulations. Mm -hmm. um, in Canada, I mean, it's getting a little tighter because for years, uh, especially in Western Canada, um, there were a lot of uh, folks coming in for work programs and they're being unpaid co-ops and unpaid this, unpaid that. Uh, and our government has cracked down on that, that unpaid piece. Um, so you really can't do that anymore. However, I think work campers is a totally different area for, uh, for, you know, for us up here. And I think it's important, whatever, um, uh, relationship you get into with this, this unpaid or, or contractual person is having an appropriate, uh, agreement, like a documented agreement that you both sign off on, mm -hmm. um, that will help, you know, uh, alleviate some of your liability. Um, but Canada's really breaking or uh, cracking down a lot on sort of these unpaid things, but you know, 
like uh, like many things in the campground industry, the government doesn't know uh, what we do half the time. So, uh, yeah. so I don't think they're going anywhere near work camper programs at this uh, at this point. I think I think it's important to preface this conversation with the fact that down here in the U.S., at least in the states. They're varying from state to state. There's different rules. I know California has um, some really different rules on work campers, and you can't just treat them as contracted workers in some areas. They um, have more rights, or they need, or you need to deal with them differently as an employer. So I think we just need to mention that, you know, if you're kind of worried about dealing with work campers, you should talk to your state association or, or talk to your lawyer. Um, so, yeah. So that's what I was going to, that's why I was prepping for that question to Mark is because like for us, when, when we started, when I started inside of Perks, the company, we did a lot of contractual workers because to be frank, I was too small to pay payroll taxes and have that extra burden on top of my head. And so I was trying to get away with whatever I could, honestly. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that any campground are getting away with it or doing anything wrong, but that's how I was in the beginning, right? I had yeah. to do what I had to do to survive. Now that I'm a little bit bigger, like I, I want everybody to be an employee, A, because it gives me more flexibility to tell them what to do, to give them direction, all that kind of stuff. But it allows me to give them more benefits and stuff versus a contractual worker who at least, from my understanding down here, and in hindsight, maybe I should have had my HR person on here to talk about this, um, but in hindsight down here, that, like I, it's pay, right? It's basically what I, or a site or trade, but I can't really give health insurance to a contractor, things like that, so. Right, I think in some, in a lot of cases, they're not, if they're contracting, it's the, a benefit isn't gonna be their top priority. Right. Yes. A lot of individuals who contract choose to do that for the, the benefits that come to them specifically for that, um, I think, Definitely, I agreed that um, you know looking into requirements in your areas is obviously mandatory. But um, I think you know there's ways to uh, make sure that those agreements you know cover your butt in terms of liabilities. Um, you know, we would I would get invoiced from from a contractor for all of their time, and then in addition, a housing benefit on the invoice. So technically they were paying taxes on that amount and, and things like that. So there are ways to, to do it and still be compliant for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we messed that up in the beginning. I'll be the first to admit it. We didn't have contracts in place when I was new and I didn't know what it was like, you know, it was 2009. I didn't know what it was like to run a business. So yeah, I mean, I have ended up paying a fancy lawyer $370 an hour to write me up an <laughs> independent contractor agreement, a, and then an employee agreement, and then a NDA, and like all the things that I should have had to begin with, and I'm lucky I got away with. But that's that three hundred seventy dollars. I mean, that's that's money well spent. Because yeah. if you get yeah. into any sort of employment litigation, uh, I mean, yeah, it's you got to get a properly documented employment agreement. Uh, yeah, you're you're bang on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I think it's important, I know um, when we've written on this in the past, it's important for people to understand that you have to record, you know, if you're giving them a site, you have to have the documentation for that site and how much the monetary value is mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And that's just another reason why you want to contact at least your accountant or a lawyer or somebody just to make sure that you're doing that. Uh, I don't know what happens if the state or government finds out that you're you're not doing things right i don't know if people want to find out a ton of bad taxes 
<laughs> yeah. So typically, yeah, they, they can recalculate all your tax amounts for however long back the statute is. Yeah. Uh, and there's implications for the individual as well. Um, so it's it's really within everyone's best interest to just be compliant to those rules. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Nobody's, to nobody's benefit to bend them. Well, um, sorry, I was just going to say, though, too, and it goes back to that, that you know your 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 image and your impression in your community so yes. if you're not doing things right out of the gate um you know the local newspapers are always looking for the little stories about the little businesses <laughs> and they would love to put you on the front page to say hey did you know this campground didn't pay its employees properly or whatever mm -hmm. the case is so yeah you, you know you don't want that either no no you don't um so from a, I, I'm interested to hear from a hiring perspective, when you're thinking about putting your team together, what are like the the top things that you, you're looking for? And maybe not just specific to campgrounds, Mark, but uh, in general, like, I don't know, maybe that's the same logical things for all of us. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, one of the things is, you know, and we've got a bunch of us have mentioned it, you're looking for that smile, you're looking for that personality. And even if the person is uh, strictly a groundskeeper type person using a whippersnapper and a, and a mower, yeah. they're going to get asked questions more than anyone. Uh, I spent some time working for Disney down in Florida and the, the individuals that get the most training of all, at least at the time, in Disney were the guys who went around and emptied all the garbage cans because they were the ones who got stopped, who got asked for directions, mm -hmm. uh, what time's the parade, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you got to make sure that everybody on your team is focused on the customer. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, and I think if, again, if you look for the right people and you train them well, um, and don't just assume because they came from a customer service environment that they're going to know customer service because you know your park is different than somebody else's park which is different so tell them your expectations mm -hmm. um but yeah look for the look for the folks that are uh who've got that smile we always walk the park uh during an interview process um and the individual we hired last year it was wonderful because it was his first job ever and i love giving people that first opportunity because uh, like we said earlier, they've got no preconceived ideas about what service should be or you know any of that. Mm -hmm. But as we walked around the park and we were an active park at the time, this this young guy never had a job before would wave to the, the campers and say, you know, hi, how's your day going? And, and it was just, you know, we didn't even need to ask him any more questions. We did, we kept going. But the way he interacted with people as you walked around the park uh, just told us right there that that was a perfect hire. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's about that personality and the willingness to, to really look after your, your guests the way you expect it, so. Do you include, oh, sorry. Oh, good. I was just gonna say, do you include a prerequisite for customer service ability before you even, like in your hiring criteria, as you're putting out information that you're looking for a candidate, do you require customer service experience? I don't require customer service experience. Require a customer service uh, willingness is the right word. Right. Um, you know, so they may not have had direct experience, like maybe they haven't worked at Walmart or or McDonald's or you know these other places. Um, mm -hmm. But have they been part of school clubs? communities have they been part of uh boy scouts uh, girl guides whatever like have they got some of those skills that uh, show they can interact with others um yeah. because just the fact they don't have you know customer service title on their resume doesn't mean they don't have the ability 
Well, so this is one of the big things with me, right? I don't even look at resumes, resumes when I hire somebody anymore. I learned that, and, and obviously you have to have more of a specialized tech for what some of the things that I need to hire for, but I've learned that just because you have a title on your resume doesn't mean you can actually do something the way I would prefer it to be done. And so with customer service, you're asking specifically, right? I'm more concerned that the guys, just like Mark said, is walking around waving to people and is smiling and is happy and is mm-hmm. outgoing and is all those kinds of things because that intangible benefit that you can't measure on paper is worth two, three, four bucks extra an hour because it's going to lead to better reviews and better social comments and more happy guests and more word of mouth and more money is so. Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, and this doesn't sound very HR of me, but you know, there's a there's a thousand books on how to write a good resume, uh, you know, and you can you can hire somebody on on online to do your resume, you know. Resumes are like maybe a foot in the door at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you their email address. That's probably the best thing you can get off a resume. It's it's when you meet them and when you start interacting with them. So definitely, I think that's one of the benefits, though, of the pandemic. Right, is more people are familiar with Zoom, and now we can interview us, somebody. Uh, we, 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 I'm not sure if you can hear me. Yeah, go, Louise. We're just on a lag. Please. Oh no, have we lost her again? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we lost her again. Yeah, we do like, have Correct. people. Oh. It's okay. I think she's just really on a lag. So we just need to give her enough time here. So just, we're going to wait. Talk, Louise, anytime. We want to hear what you say. I have to say, definitely. I think she's frozen again. Can you hear me now? Oh, yes. I hear you, but your video is frozen, but go ahead. Okay. I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, we think that somebody is good. We uh, send them a very, um, the job. This way, they, you know, they, 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 they work for us, but that's where what I do, do. Um, mm-hmm. because we have a store and we sell tickets uh, to different activities that we can do around here. And we also have right. the maintenance. We have two different And the job description is very detailed. We, we want If we hire them, thing and uh, like, uh, I think we lost her again. Very different. We don't allow music at all during the. We have to make sure that the people. I feel oh, like I'm making this worse. I'm trying to like give her time, and then every time I talk, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's terrible. Um, yeah, the joys of technology. But I do agree with Louise. I, That's I was okay. typical. I was my park was very similar to that too, where we had these two really separate teams, where we had kind of our customer service front desk, you know, our activities staff, the, that side of the team, and then I had this really functional team that I was so reliant on in terms of maintaining the grounds and keeping everything pretty and clean and beautiful. Um, and, you know, dealing with any sort of 
problems and plumbing and all the all the logistical things. Um, so for sure, those uh, expectations were very different depending on which team um, uh, I was feeling. But um, I'd be I'm interested too to hear about like if you um, <clears throat> when. I found I often, especially if I was dealing with a younger team member, we often, you know, they would after the fall move on to something else. And so I was consistently giving um, references. I was consistently getting reference calls all the time. And I, it always kind of made me sad that I had to like talk so often about these people that I had to lose. <laughs> um, I was really, really lucky, but I, I was gonna say, I think, the rural location and things like that that a lot of campgrounds it wasn't specifically my issue but i think that's a big hurdle here too in terms of being able to access you know a pool of potential candidates just when you're out kind of in the middle of nowhere um so things like the work camper agreements and stuff like that are so beneficial in that sort of uh location dynamic because otherwise there's just not a lot of folks around it's also, it's also the competition though, right, too? And this goes kind of circles back to the benefits thing. Depending on where you are, obviously the, the wage that you're gonna pay, whether it's mandated by law or it's optional based on what other people are paying in your area, McDonald's, gas station, whatever, um, that's a huge part. Like, yes, maybe you're in a small town, but that doesn't mean you can't like raise it two bucks above the person you wanna hire. And they're gonna come work for you if you treat them good and they give you an environment. I mean, obviously if it's a specialized profession, it's different. Uh, you know, if they're right. working at a factory already, but. I think that's more what I mean is like, if, you, if you're in this small town area, but you're looking for somebody who can meet a very specific set of criteria, it can be difficult to find the right fit. Uh, so that's where the word camper program is so valuable. Yes, 100% agree with you. But then maybe you re release your restrictions a little bit. Like we're talking about like the looking for the customer service specialty or looking for somebody who's worked camp before X number of years or has, you know, RV maintenance. Maybe there's, there's things that you can train people on mm -hmm. relatively quickly. And so if you're having struggles with that, maybe you would like let go of those restrictions a little bit. Easier said than done sometimes. Yes. Oh, I know. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, it took me years and years and years to do it, but uh, also that the flip side of that is, is you can start them at a lower rate too, if they don't have that high of experience too, and as you train them, you build them, so. Yeah, oh, for sure. There's tons of ways to work around it. I think the the work pool stuff in those smaller areas would be a huge hurdle. I, I And I think it's a big reason why we see a lot of those kind of smaller parks typically run by you know, the owners, the uh, husband and wife team or whatever, because, you know, there's just not really anybody around to hire, you know, maybe yeah. they put their own kids to work or whatever, but we have a ton of campgrounds up here in those more rural locations who don't have any staff because they can't get any. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish Steve, uh, uh, too bad Steve had to leave because I know he was going to talk about the J21 program here in the U.S. and I don't know what the comparative um, program is in Canada. Um, I can touch base a little bit on hiring foreign foreign workers, foreign students. Uh, we specifically did that. I think I've mentioned here I in the past that I used to, my park, we offered service in several different languages and we had... Yeah. A lot of German, you know, Dutch Dutch speaking guests 
Um, so we typically, I tried most years to bring at least one or two students uh, from Germany or Holland over. Um, and I think obviously those programs are heavily impacted by what's happening in the world right now. Um, yeah. and, and so that's not an option, but uh, I think um, it, it was incredibly valuable to my business. It added a ton of value to be able to, you know, not only market directly to those that target market with the rental RVs and things like that, but also, you know, so then I was getting them in the door, but then also being able to provide them customer service in their own languages, which uh, was super valuable. You know, my park maybe couldn't compete with some of my direct competitors around me in terms of my location or my on-site amenities, but offering the service in their language would make them come to me instead. Um, so the the foreign the students hiring those students was incredibly valuable and and again creates this dynamic some of them would come back year after year you know they're in university or whatever so they're off in the summer anyway so they'll come hang out in canada for the summer and and work and get to check things out while they're here uh, i definitely recommend it i think uh it's a it's a great way to diversify your and, business. and were you providing accommodation for the folks you bring over and is that fairly common in the u.s when you bring folks over you need to provide accommodation or do they have to yeah. find their own place yeah, I mean, uh, I know one of the parks um, here, Wisconsin, um, and I imagine Steve could have spoke a little bit more about this, but this was another Jellystone Park in Wisconsin, and they do provide some uh, form of lodging or it's built in. Um, I know one park I've spoke with had um, facilities that the people actually stayed in and uh, why they were living here, and they and – they, uh, they got paid, but they also uh, there was a cost involved for staying in the in the apartments or whatever that they offered too. So I forget exactly how it got split, but yeah, quite a few of them do offer housing. So I in my case, I did Mark. We you know we had a couple RVs on site, and and that's kind of how we made that work. Um, so it worked out nicely for them. They had a home base and you know, a place to stay, they were close to work, didn't have to commute anywhere, but then could, you know, run off to the Rocky Mountains on their day off or whatever, right? Um, so, yeah, we did. Yeah, Ben, we've got some clients down here that some of the larger parts, the jelly stones and stuff, who have uh, cabins, like some of the larger cabins that seat 10, yeah. 12 people that they'll put them in or a bunkhouse or something mm -hmm. like that where they'll serve them on property. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably, a, I don't know if it's standard, but it's definitely something that is done frequently in my case i think i don't know if you have to provide uh lodging on site but there's parameters to make sure that they have a place to stay but it doesn't there's not a ton of requirements about how far that is from work and all those things so it, you know you could potentially find a local rental or or something facilitate you know a place for them somehow Thanks. Yeah, and I don't know if um, I don't know what it's like this year. Um, I know last year I think a lot of the J ones they they obviously couldn't come over. I don't know if they're a lot letting um, loosening some of that stuff this year or um, if it's going to be another year. I know down in the U.S. at least a lot of the parks that do the program are larger parks, um, like the larger water parks um, that just need a ton of people 
for during the summer months and the program that works really well for them um, mm -hmm. to bring in people. There are smaller parks that do do it as well. Uh, it's kind of a neat experience. So, um, and it's a good way, you know, if you need a ton of workers, it's a good way to, to get those workers. And I mean, once they come over here, they work, you know, th three to four months or more um, while they stay here. And, you know, from everyone I've spoken with, they said that they typically are really good workers and they work well with other teammates and um, it's just a great program, so. Yeah, there's something to be said for like facilitating that incredible level of not only work experience, but life experience for, yeah. you know, someone who's young and starting out or, you know, maybe changing their their trajectory in life or whatever. It's, it's, uh, it's incredibly rewarding. I, uh, I've stayed in touch with all of my foreign students who worked with me and have, have watching them now grow into adults with their own businesses and jobs and doing great things. So that stuff is so rewarding. It's really great. Yeah. Um, Let's talk get, about, Ben, I just want to get back to this a couple, like the benefits, right? And the, and where we're looking for people and how we're approaching people because it's we're best hiring practices, right? Is our thing. So one of the things that Louise mentioned that really stuck out to me, and, and maybe she was talking about this, maybe not, but she mentioned the job description. So this is super important for me. Like I will write the job description in kind of like the tone of voice that I want somebody to be hired in. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to put up with my sense of humor and my sarcasm a little bit and my joking around and all that kind of stuff. And so like when we're hiring somebody, we're hiring somebody right now, the title of the job description is marketing superhero. Because you got to have a sense of humor. If you can't laugh at marketing superhero and and read through that job description and be amused and still apply, then I probably you're probably not a good fit for the company. You might be a good worker, but you're just not a good fit for what I'm looking for. And so writing that job description, not just in the tone of voice, but laying out exactly what the requirements are, gives people a feeling for, do I really want to apply for this too? And helps you weed out some of that to get to in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think the job descriptions, again, that's that's the face you're putting forward to everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. And I love that, Brian. Like, I think that's, um, you know, something I'll use going forward because we did put, you know, campground attendant because that's the classification, the job code in Canada mm -hmm. that allows us to apply for grants. But, you know, say campground superhero uh, would be phenomenal. But I mean, you have to be clear and transparent too. like, hey, we're going to be fun, but you're also going to clean washrooms a whole lot. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there's some tough stuff here to yeah. deal with. Yeah. yeah, but that's the that's the detailed like, I mean, it's the eye catching like you, you want to apply for that or you don't you want to have fun or you don't. And so, um, you know, it's just like I mean, we'll get into a whole we have a whole other show on my employee handbook. We could talk about that. Uh, you guys might <laughs> like that. But um, but anyway, so Leslie was bringing up here, too, in the comments, uh, she said uh, for benefits, they have a health spending account that some returning staff can access. Uh, they use an outside provider for this service. And so what are some of the things that Mark and Kara and, and Louise, if we can get our audio working correctly, you guys have used at, uh, at your parks kind of as uh, those extra benefits on top of the pay. Um, well, I'll go, like for us, there was 
I'm not going to say there was no extras. I mean, there was their compensation, their hourly wage, um, but there was no health uh, care spending account. I think that's a great idea. And it depends on the size of your park too. Um, I mean, you could look at things, things we've used in, or I've used in the past are things like referral bonuses. Um, so you could do, you know, if you recommend a friend and they get hired and if over the first 30 days, they turn out to be a great employee, then that other employee gets a bonus um so you can do some stuff like that um but for us i mean it's it's really about the the experience the environment they're working in because um, there's no way we're going to compete like again the employers in town starbucks walmart's mcdonald's they have great programs we're never going to compete with them on that but where i can compete is providing a fun environment where they're going to get to do a little bit of everything you know they're going to have uh they're going to see me dressed up as batman for the halloween weekend they're going to know they're part of a great employer Wait, that's a thing i want to come to your park now oh yeah <laughs> halloween in august it's it's the best it's my favorite weekend um but you know that's the kind of thing we can provide. And I mean, to some people, they're about the money and that's fine. If you're looking for 15 bucks an hour plus benefits, you're not going to work here. But if you want a place where you can work outside in the sun, you know, you can do some, you know, customer service, you can do some uh, yard work. You know, if it's a rough day, you can just kind of hide out and split some wood. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we can provide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's typically a really repetitive thing I found is I, I always ended up with a certain type of individual who is looking for kind of more of a broad uh, experience thing they could put on a resume going forward. Or, you know, somebody who, like Louise mentioned, maybe has finished their work life, but is, you know, wants to fill some part time with, you know, interaction with individuals or, you know, getting to work in the gardens, <laughs> things like that. Like, there's this extra lifestyle enhancement stuff that comes with this type of job that you don't see potentially in, you know, going to work at McDonald's or Starbucks or, or whatever. Um, so I think, I think that's a big factor that a lot of people, I, I got that feedback over and over from staff was, you know, it's different every day. I get to be creative. I like getting to hang out with all the kids at the mini golf every day and, Things like that that um, were, were really enticing. We didn't, uh, like I said, we didn't have a, a benefits program specifically at Mountain View, um, mostly because of our seasonality. But uh, we did things like, you know, we had great staff events a couple of times a year and took the staff for team building fun stuff or had cool stuff come to the park. Like we had, you know, a paintball thing set up at the park for the team to kind of take each other's frustrations out on each other or whatever. Um, so, we, you know, like I said, I think that all relates back to that lifestyle stuff. Right. So, but here's, this is the reason I brought it up is because what you're talking about is benefits. I agree. Right. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, like I found when I got into the, started my company and I started talking to campgrounds, like when you hear full time plus benefits, the, the first thing that comes to people's mind is $600 a month health insurance. Right. At least in here it is. Mm -hmm. And that's all they think about. But when you, you you can have free benefits like what you're talking about, where employees get engaged together, where they have, you know, free tickets to a show that's nearby, or free gift cards to dinner, or free gas to get to and from to work, or, you know, uh, perks that you can offer, just like you were talking about activities around the campground that don't cost you any money. Mm -hmm. There are ways that you can provide those benefits without spending too much. You know, we have a employer assistant pro assistance program that cost me a couple hundred bucks a year that allows people to call for a couple free hours of counseling and mental health and yeah. you know accountant advice and legal advice and things like that it's a drop mm -hmm. in the bucket 
from you. People love it. Uh, we've got a Cuse airplane down here. I don't know if that's, a, it's probably not a thing the same way up in Canada, but it's a way for me to offer a contribution or a, a basically a X number of dollars a month credit for people to purchase health insurance that doesn't require me to buy the $600 a month plan. Mm -hmm. And so it's flexible. I can give them, you know, they have to have insurance, but then they can use a credit for either the health insurance bill if they submit it or mm -hmm. like Leslie was saying, a, a kind of like a flex spending account. Okay. They can use it for anything that they want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 401ks that require minimal contributions, just yeah. little things that, that go far and above away what you think they cost. Mm -hmm. will make these employees happy and help you stand out apart from other people. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think... Uh, like I said, a lot of those benefits uh, kind of step outside the box of some of those bigger corporate companies who have these pretty square, uh, you know, policied plans for, for hiring and, and staffing and employment and stuff like that. So I think that's one of the benefits of being a, a small business like this is you can get really creative about what you're offering and, and don't have to follow this regimented policy idea of what a benefit is and it comes back full circle though to this job description right that's that's basically a marketing piece yeah. and so if you if you can sit down and think about some of these benefits that maybe you experience every day as the campground owner but are really special or you're creating unique like Kara was saying with the team building activities or things that they could use on the campground mm -hmm. put these into your job description and they'll really help you stand out and attract more talent too Think of that as the first front-facing piece to attract that person and bring them in. Well, and, and it goes back to that word-of-mouth stuff you were saying, too. So if I have a team this year and they loved working here, they're going to, you know, let their buddies know. And then maybe next spring, you know, you have access to, to more of a hiring pool. So that's all interconnected for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think on the teenager side too, I mean, if you guys have, you know, if you have amenities like mini golf or, or pools and things like that, and you give them the chance to come in and maybe use that when they're not working, I think that could be great too. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and allowing their families too. I mean, to allow them to bring in, you know, with some yes. restrictions, but to yes. say, Hey, listen, you want to bring your, your parents in and come for a yeah. swim you know and and first of all your employee is so excited to show off their their job yeah, to their mom you know so uh you know mm -hmm. allowing extending it beyond just the employee too yeah absolutely yeah these are things that cost you very little if anything at all so i mean it doesn't mm -hmm. cost you anything unless somebody swim in the pool so yeah. i think so i think some of the more successful parks i've seen that keep employees also offer like the educational component. So like kind of like kind of like what Steve was talking about, only you know, they offer ways for them to get connected to the industry, maybe a little more. Um, you know, there you know, there are tons of programs out there for hospitality and there's tons of people that love to to work in the hospitality field. So maybe connecting teenagers and like college students with those kind of opportunities that maybe will make them like rethink their career choice um, and maybe stick with you or get involved in the broader industry. Um, well, and I think it's very enticing mm -hmm. to, again, in that job description or your, or your hiring outlines to say, you know, we, we used to, I often had applicants from our local uh, tech institute that has a, a tourism uh, certification program and so they, you know, in their off months or whatever, wanted to come work with me to build out their resume 
or you know, I had applications for internships that were part of their required mm -hmm. certification training and uh, things like that. So there's there's ways to get creative with this stuff, even not necessarily if those schools are right near you. If you're able to, you know, get somebody to get a potential employee to come out with to wherever you are for the summer or whatever, uh, similar to those European kids that were working for me, um, though those uh, those are great opportunities because it's so mutually beneficial. They're really building out their experience level and their resume, um, and it's obviously you know an industry that they're really interested in and. and want to be there which is such a huge factor when you're hiring is finding folks who want to show up every time yeah training is a huge portion of it and, and it helps the side benefit of that is it helps you kind of uncover the employees who really want to be there and really want to grow their career and really are go-getters too so then later make sure that you keep those people like here uh, it's default every employee here gets a linkedin learning subscription that the company pays for and they're told that they can spend as many hours of whatever day they want to, you know, X number of hours per week that the company will pay above mm -hmm. and beyond and whatever you want, uh, including, and you can use it for things that are not company related too. I don't care. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want to teach yourself how to do something that's related to business that you're never going to use here, fine. Use your subscription and do it. They're told yeah. that they can go on Amazon and they can buy any book that they want uh, with their company card that has, that they can justify with like any kind of ties loosely, right? To their job description or anything that they do here, they can mm -hmm. purchase training book or a nonfiction book or something that helps them learn and grow their careers. So yeah, training is huge. Absolutely. I guess um, one of, oh, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, I was going to just touch back. Kara mentioned your like community colleges you know, mm -hmm. or your local universities. I don't think we've touched on them enough um, because they're such a valuable partner in your community. Um, mm -hmm. If they've got a, a comparable program uh, or, or not, not even necessarily a comparable program. They could be from any program, yeah. but you know, going to the college job fairs. Um, and if you've got a student from that college, take them with you to that mm -hmm. job fair and have them stand beside you and talk about the experience. Yeah. Um, but I, I got to the point in my past life where um, worked so well with the local college that their co-op office, uh, who their job is to find jobs for their students, would call me up and say, hey, listen, I've got the number one student in this in this class. Um, would you be interested in meeting them? So now you've got folks looking for people for you, you know, so colleges are just invaluable. Which is Absolutely. your reputation, too, and you're standing in the community and it's all full circle. All this stuff ties together. You bet. Yeah. I guess I just kind of wanted to touch base on areas where people might find employees. I know this is an area where we, uh, I think we touched on a little bit, but are there like job posting boards and different places where people go to, to post their jobs to put, you know, so they can get find employees, I guess, just online? Well, I know I think we talked a little bit about the community, like getting involved with the community and public schools, but I know um, the National Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds is working on a job board. I guess, you know, what what has worked well for you guys, I guess, as far as posting your jobs? I was always kind of shocked at the efficacy of Facebook <laughs> to find potential candidates. Um, you know, I could easily post a, a you know, requirements, hey, we're hiring, we're looking for somebody who has these things. And I'd get, you know, 25 responses or whatever. Um, so that that was great. The the Facebook groups as well, I think 
you know, I, I just joined Louise's group and have been kind of poking around in there. And I think, you know, that's a great way to specifically connect folks who are searching for those positions with people who, who need, who have those positions to fill. Um, there's lots of great tools, great free tools available. Um, but then, you know, I think up here, I don't know if, what the logistics are in the States or, or what off options there are, but um, I often posted for some of my higher, like I was looking for a kind of a team manager or whatever. So I did post that on a couple of the job boards at Indeed and, and things like yeah. that. Um, just because I was looking for somebody with a bit more um, specific requirements, but um, yeah, Facebook always worked wonders for me, but honestly, word of mouth was a big, big thing for us. Yeah, I think I think it all depends on who you're looking for, right? I mean, obviously, uh, the work camper group is great, both uh, Louise's and, and down here. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there are work camping groups down here that I'm sure Ben, you can give a couple in a second, uh, just let people know they exist. Uh, but if you're looking for work campers, those are good. If you're looking for local workers, then Facebook is you know probably a good tool. But but boost that post on Facebook to people who are local, who yeah. may not already be liking your park, and expand your reach. Uh, you spend five, ten bucks to do that and get a lot of more applicants than you would normally. And then yeah. again, targeted job boards, right? Yes, Indeed, Glassdoor, those kinds of things. Most of them, I think Glassdoor actually owns Indeed now, but anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's free job listings on some of those sites. And again, it all goes back to how you're writing and how you're presenting yourself. That's a lot of standing out against everybody else who's hiring against you too. So Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you also don't forget your local chamber of commerce, your mm -hmm. local uh, yeah. tourism board. Um, there's always local employment offices. So yeah, there's there's a lot of local places. But yeah, I agree with Kara. Facebook, like they're your fans already. You know, yeah. they've already in, uh, invested in your brand. Mm -hmm. They've they've clicked that like button, so mm -hmm. they already like you. Uh, so yeah. yeah, Facebook's awesome yeah. for if that. You're, if you're hiring college yeah. kids, go to your local pizza place and put an ad on the pizza box. <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah, there's definitely ways to, to be creative. I think the the hurdle sometimes with stuff like that is, again, the seasonality. So, you know, you start planning and getting your team together in February or March. And then so, you know, it's it can be tough to get uh, things like that orchestrated in time or, or um, deliverables in time when, when you're talking things like that. But, um, yeah, it's... There's so many factors. I agree. It needs to be really targeted to exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I don't, Brian, I guess, do you have any more comments or? I, I think the only other thing that I wanted to touch on briefly, and maybe Mark can help with us with this just from an HR standpoint is, is it's called best hiring practices. I don't know. Obviously each individual person is expecting to get something different from the show and I don't know what that is. But are there, are there some best practices, Mark, from an HR perspective that help you kind of streamline the hiring process? Um, yeah, you, well, it, it does go back to that job description. I think that's your first point of interaction with the folks. I, I see a comment up in the, the feed there from Leslie. She says, we've used meet world travelers and clean up after them in her job hiring ads. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's I love that. That's perfect because you're setting the stage right there. Um, you know what? If you've got an opportunity to do some phone interviews, some phone screens, some Zoom screens, 
that's excellent. Um, you know, again, I'm not not a huge fan of resumes, but you know, they're sort of a necessary evil. Um, but uh, you know, just try and get your your pool down to as few as possible. Um, and and I don't think that can come from paper. That comes from meeting or interacting with them. Um, so you know, it's and it's a little different. Like if you're like the other gentleman mm -hmm. who's hiring 400 people, you don't have a chance to be as choosy. Uh, Kara mentioned how she was able to be a little more, uh, you know, particular about who she brings aboard. Um, but take the time. Like invest the time. You know, it'll save you in the long run. Finding that right person now um, means you're not having to rehire somebody in August because they didn't work out. You know that sort of thing. So put whatever effort in. Start early. Be really clear in the expectations with the candidates and just say, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to clean toilets. You're going to clean toilets. Are you okay with that? Mm -hmm. um, and most of them will say yes in an interview, but, you know, some of them might choose to opt out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, take take the time. It's worth every minute you put into it. Okay. Well, one of the, and, and, and this is a little bit off topic, but what you just said, Mark, I'm going to clean toilets and so are you. So as the boss, be willing to do anything that you're going to ask your employees to do. And that's, that's a huge example, and we'll get them to do a lot more things than they otherwise would. Yeah, and I think that stuff has to be demonstrated. I mean, I definitely know in the first weeks of, of my team coming together, I can feel that 12 or 15 individuals testing me just as much as I'm testing them, mm -hmm. right? We're, we're checking each other out and seeing who's going to really step up to the plate and do what they say they're going to do. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you do get to May or June and somebody's doesn't work or whatever. And that's another benefit to having, you know, only being able to be more choosy, but then having more applicants than, than you hire, because then you can go back to that list and, and you know, pick pick somebody better or, or better fitting for, for the role. So. I think as much as like we put expectations on our new hires, we also have to kind of walk the walk too. Yeah, and I think uh, just to that point, the, the, how you say no to people who've applied for you is equally as important as how you say yes. Yeah. Because again, they're likely a customer of yours. So mm -hmm. if you end your interview relationship with them on a good high note, hey, listen, it didn't work out this time, really liked your these skills you had, uh, love to talk to you again in the future, you know, mm -hmm. they walk away feeling, you know, respected. Uh, and then if you lose somebody in the summer, you give those folks a call, maybe they found another job, but, but you know what? they might be like, yeah, I've been waiting all summer to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had to call somebody a couple months later and be like, Hey, we, you know, a spot opened up on the team and your interview was so great. And, you know, I really want to offer you this spot kind of thing. <clears throat> it's incredibly valuable that, you know, we, we ended the first interview round on a really high note so that we could, I could go back there with the kind of door open. Same thing goes with the people you let go from your campground or business too. It's, you know, and, and how you treat them instead of stringing them along for months and trying to force something that's not clearly not working, let them go nicely, but fire them quickly. Hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. Yeah. So it's not that you have, just because you fire somebody, you have to be mean about it. You can say, hey, be upfront, do it really quick and say, look, this isn't working out. I feel like there's probably a better opportunity for you somewhere. Let me introduce you to this person or this person in the community because I've got a great relationship with them and maybe this is a better fit for you and help them. Yeah. And then that goes, again, back to your reputation, your word of mouth, what the community mm -hmm. you, more people who are coming, banging down your doors trying to work for you. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think we tackled a lot of good stuff today. 
So yeah. on the parent side of things, um, I think uh, we got through to a lot of issues that some of the people, you know, some of the owners we talk with uh, speak about. So, so it's been great. Yeah, I'm super looking forward to 2021. I think, uh, you know, all the campground owners I've been speaking with in the last month or so are really, really positive and looking forward to a great summer. And I think that's bodes well for, you know, us building lots of teams and getting lots of people out to work and uh, all of that. So I'm excited to see how the year goes. Kara, while we're wrapping up here, can you put Luis's group in the chat and then I can put it up on screen just because we're having on their audio? Do you know? I or? tried. I tried to put it in the group chat and it didn't work. So I'll put it. I've got it in the private. I don't have. The, I can't see the group chat at all. But I've got it in the private. If, if you put it on Woodall's Facebook page, it'll show up in the chat. It has to be on one of the pages though. It can't be on one of the groups. Yeah, here I can put it up. Uh, <laughs> I have it already, so I can't see the Facebook feed this this week. I like last week, yeah, like in weeks past. So, mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so I just put the the Facebook group up, Canadian Word Campers. Um, so and and though you know, just like the thank you, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> just like the regular work environment, um, you know, work campers is getting pretty competitive too. I mean. Um, they, you know, uh, Amazon has such a huge work camper program down here in the U.S., and I don't know if they do stuff up in Canada, but there's other companies that are utilizing work campers too, which has been putting a lot of pressure on that sector as well. So it's, the, with the way RVing and RV lifestyle and all that stuff is going and with so many people doing it, that those companies are super smart to utilize that, that workforce. Yeah, I mean, I know Amazon and KOA has a huge program too of work campers, but I know Amazon has a, um, they utilize work campers. They have a whole Facebook page, I mean, not a website, and they utilize tons of them to do like packaging and different things, um, work in warehouses. Um, so that's been kind of changing the game for work campers too, down here in the U.S. at least. So um, that's yeah, been that's interesting. So interesting. So but anyways, one of the other things I will bring up real quickly too, just briefly is, is best hiring practices, right? Is, is making the onboarding process for yourself as easy as you possibly can save yourself some time. So like a, this is not applicable to every campground owner out there, but I, for instance, I've got HR software that costs me like 120 bucks a month us. And it allows me to organize everybody post jobs to indeed and glass door, accept applications, start the onboarding process, send them email follow-ups automatically, all that kind of stuff. That's not that hard to set up. Uh, it takes a week or two, but then the time that it saves me is huge. I've got, you know, people can track their own time, clock in and clock out for the hourly workers I have. A lot of them are salary, but mm -hmm. using an app on their phone. It's, it's, you can put the schedules in there and you can recur the schedules every week if you need to vary them or whatever else. So just things that save you time can help you make that process more efficient and take some stress off if you do. Yeah, I think, I think if, if you can find ways, because I, I know with a lot of these jobs too, it's, you know, on the job training once they get there with their reservation software and learning practices for what you guys do at the park and different things, you know, finding ways to streamline that as well. Because, um, you know, obviously it can get, you know, you have other work to focus on and it can get a little burdensome having to train and and do uh, 
the other things you need to do. So finding a way to streamline that's probably best too. So you know what would be fantastic, and you just I just thought about this, like CampSpot or ResNexus or RMS. Like here's fifty bucks, seventy five bucks one time. We're gonna create a training program or a video that they can watch to learn the software. Most of them do. Most of them do. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, most of them include uh, all the ones that I've demoed, which is quite a few. Uh, include free training. Most of them do like live internet, you know, like a Zoom call similar mm -hmm. setup uh, with okay. a team or a video call or whatever. But then, yeah, they provide all kinds of training videos, training manuals, software, all of that stuff to to facilitate, you know, getting your your team uh, orchestrated. And that stuff is helpful too, because then you can kind of send your potential staff a link to review before they come in for their training session. Yeah. You're not starting at zero. Um, so yeah. yeah, those tools exist and, and definitely should be utilized. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I mean, I, I assumed, I guess, the help documents and stuff, but I meant more like a live Zoom call training, like a group thing where, you know, once every two weeks you can get together and everybody from Camp Spot needs to be trained for employees all across the country. Joining, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's because parks are also different. They typically really individualize them. So, you know, for me, in my case, my software company called. We spent, you know, five days. We had an an hour or two hour call every day for five days or whatever, and went over all the things. And there was time for Q and A and all of that stuff. Specifically, one on you know with my team, which was incredibly valuable. Oh yeah, obviously that's way better if they'll do it for you. I just didn't know everybody did that, so. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, uh, I think it was great. I think next week we're doing agritourism. We're gonna focus on farms and animals. And I think I've already got a campground signed up that, that offers llamas. Um, they do llamas. So, and the llamas like go in between RVs and stuff. They just peruse the campground. So alpacas, uh, that's the only thing we care about. Do they mow my, do they mow my lawns? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's one of the questions we're going to have to ask this owner, is if they help keep the sites like mow. I but, didn't have llamas, but I had goats, and they definitely did the job. Yes. This was one of the most fascinating. So, like, we, um, you know, there's Farm Stay USA, which offers, like, camping packages at actual farms, like, far, kind of like uh the group we had on last week, Brian, I can't remember the name of Harvest Host, yeah. Only they do it like far working farms and you can actually participate oh, cool. in okay. activities. But um, this was actually a campground that is a farm. Um, so they have like a whole campground, uh, I think a hundred sites or more. And they have like a farm that's incorporated into the campground. So it's kind of really neat. Mm -hmm. and, and so it should be really fun talking with them next week. I, they come from Tennessee. So um, that should be fun. So I want to know how they balance all that stuff. Because I remember going to a campground when we were first starting out, like we were on the road all the time because we didn't have enough money for an office and all that. And plus, we wanted to be on the road. Uh, right. But I remember being woken up by a donkey at like three o'clock in the morning who wouldn't stop making noise. And so, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it'll be great talking with them and just under, you know, getting a feel for what they do. And they do gardening and um, they offer chances for campers to they offer like packages where campers can get involved with the farm and <laughs> RVs. So, but anyways, thanks Mark and Louise. And I, um, Steve, if you listen to this podcast, uh, uh, thanks for coming on for, for a little bit and uh, just uh, 
um, we hope that the viewers got some good value out of this. So, absolutely. Um, All right, guys, thank you so much for coming. Mark, Kara, always. Ben, as always. Yeah. Louis, send thank us you. Information on your work camping group. We want to put it on all the pages too. We'll make sure it gets thank posted you. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us, both of you. I appreciate your time so much. Yeah, we all do. So, um, everyone, have a good have week. A good week. Take care. Bye. Thank you.